are now listening to the Paul McGuire Report. This is Paul McGuire. As we've talked about for, well, basically an endless period of time, you and I are in a temporary world. The Bible says that we are just sojourners, and that means we're just passing through this physical world reality. Another way of putting it is that this present time physical world reality that we exist in with all its ups and downs, is a temporary experience because it's a temporary reality. It it is in the process of fading away quickly, even as we speak, and then on a global scale, it's in the process of fading away as, as mankind dialogues and speaks and looks for answers. So, the Bible says we're, we're sojourners passing through the world. The, the biblical truth, the emphasis of truth, eternal truth, which comes from the eternal Word of God, is that we are just passing through. We're kind of like vacationing, except we're not just being totally irresponsible. We're passing through this temporary reality. We're sojourners. We're just visiting. But again, it implies more than passive visiting because we're supposed to be engaged. Jesus Christ said, occupy until I come. So that's the basic dynamic or understanding that comes from a biblical worldview that we we have to not only know about, we have to do enough homework in terms of studying and reading the Bible so that we've thought through that truth carefully and clearly. So if in our inner man or woman, you know, our world is rocked, we're able to find stability and balance because we've anchored ourselves not to, to illusory truths, but we've anchored ourselves to final reality or true truth. And one aspect of final reality is that we are just passing through this temporary physical world. So, as I always do on the Paul McGuire Report, and as we do on Paradise Mountain Church, by the way, you need to, I'm going to hear me say this a lot, because once upon a time, Many people are going to disappear, okay, off of your social media, plant it in the back of your mind. So, so instead of waiting for that day and panicking and scrambling and spending, you know, maybe a year trying to, to find them again, why don't you join the people you believe in and the people that are feeding you and the people that are blessing you? So I've encouraged you with everything in me, join, sign up for our Prophecy e-blast list. It's free. We don't give it away to anybody. And it's a lifeline for you spiritually. Another lifeline for you spiritually would be to sign up to our Roku channel. We pay for it. It's free. And enjoy all the Bible teaching and prophecy teaching and ministry that I've given at Paradise Mountain Church and different conferences around the nation. Uh, and in some cases around the world. So that's, that's a key thing to do. Now, we're just passing through this temporary reality, and one of the first things that we realize from personal experience, as well as what the Bible teaches, is that we are not born into a static world. We are not born into a world that is just like calm and peaceful, like a placid lake. That, that, that is not reality. There may be wonderful, great times in reality, times of celebration, times of rejoicing all kinds of fantastic things. But as a general rule, or probably a 100% rule, nobody nobody lives an entire lifetime 
in in this reality without participating in this reality's ups and downs, which can also often be like a roller coaster of up and down, up and down. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Nobody escapes that. Everybody, no matter how coronated you may think their royal lives may be from the external, they are going through ups and downs too, whether they know God or not. It's just part. It's part of the temporary nature of this temporary world. And here's another thing that we have to understand. These truths, by the way, were once taught in the majority of Bible-believing churches in America and the world. I don't know if that's the case today. Um, I don't know. But they should be if they're not. And, and, And how can you feed yourself spiritually if you're going to a place where there's no water in the rivers of living water that they're supposedly refreshing you with? So. The key thing to understand is that because we live in a fallen world, Adam and Eve rejected the word of God, activated the law of sin and death, and a curse came upon Adam and Eve, the human race, and the entire planet. Planet Earth has been in a state of free fall, of of, uh, falling apart, of disintegrating, crumbling, eroding, dissolving, whatever you want to describe it as. This is the reality of our fallen world. Our world is fallen. Once upon a time when Adam and Eve were the king and queen of planet Earth, and they had eternal life, and they had supernatural powers that they operated uh, while they were in planet Earth, when they were in that time period, there was no fall. There was no degradation or death force being activated in mankind. So it's after the disobedience of Adam and Eve, rejecting the word of God, activating the law of sin and death. When that happened, that caused a massive subatomic, microscopic, on every level and every dimension, it caused a radical change in our world. And it unleashed the death force, which is expressing itself in the animal kingdom, the birds, among all mankind. We're all born with fallen human natures, and that means we're all in the process of dying, um, and so on and so forth. So we're born into a fallen world, and then when we juxtaposition the truth that we're just passing through this world, we're just sojourners through this world, it makes perfect sense. How could we be anything else but sojourners or just passing through this world if the world that we're living in, the world that we're standing upon, the world that we're operating upon, is in a state of disintegration over time. So you couldn't do anything else but, really, if you're being honest, you can't do anything else but uh, know that you're in a world that's disintegrating. And since it's disintegrating, this world cannot be your long-term true home. Your long-term true home, despite what they tell you in the collective consciousness of our culture and media and education, etc., our long-term home is <clears throat> heaven. Um, the New Jerusalem, the New Earth, heaven is our eternal home, where we will have eternal and glorified bodies, and we will live eternally or forever with no degradation, no disintegration of our glorified bodies or of the new heaven, the new earth, and the new Jerusalem, which will be at a peak level always, and on an eternal basis. So that's where we are. And you can derive that, you can understand that, first by understanding 
And that comes through study and reflection and meditation. And when I say meditation, I'm not talking about chanting Om in a lotus position and igniting the chakras that, that start at the base of your spine and go up to the top above your head. I've experienced that. I wrote about it in my book, Power From On High. But that's counterfeit power from on high. You want the real thing. And by the way, uh, activating your chakras through Kundalini Yoga or whatever, which I write about in my book, Power From On High, again, that doesn't give you eternal life. So, so if, that's what, if that's the horse that you're betting on, you're going in the wrong direction. Okay, so the platform that we, we rest our lives on is the fact, the biblical truth, based on a biblical worldview, that if we put our faith in Christ and believe him, he'll forgive us of all of our sins. He'll cleanse us with his blood, including the death force. He'll take the death force away, and we'll live eternally if we trust him by faith to become born again, which means Jesus begins to live in our hearts and minds through the power of his Holy Spirit. And then we live right side up, and then we then we can properly understand the, the two truths. One, that we're just passing through this world as sojourners. Two, this world ultimately is not our home. It's a fallen world that's disintegrating for our eyes. So even just on a logical basis, you don't set up camp, you know, uh, an hour before a tsunami is going to hit the beach. It's just as dumb. And you listen to many voices in our culture, and you hear people who on many levels are nice people. They have good intentions, especially when it comes to their spirituality. They value many of the things that we value in terms of their spirituality, because at least on many levels, they, they say they are for love and the laws of love. They say they're for things that would be Christian or biblical. But inevitably, if somebody does not accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and this is not a, ma- a matter of being dogmatic or restrictive or legalistic, it's not a matter of those things. If you walk alongside somebody who's not saved, and somebody who's not saved is a man or a woman that has not yielded to or invited the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus Christ, to come into their inner man or inner woman regenerate them through the power of the Holy Spirit from within, and through the power of Jesus Christ, who will take up residence in you, you thus become born again. And that means you have the gift of eternal life, and in the nanosecond you die, you will be absent from the body, and you'll be in the presence of the Lord eternally in heaven. So what happens is, when you walk with people, or you track their lives, people who who share many of the external Christian or pseudo-Christian beliefs that we seem to share. But what I'm trying to point out is it only goes so far. You can only travel so far with such an individual, no matter how wonderful, kind. They may even be more Christian than the Christians you know, in terms of how loving they are, caring, and stuff like that. But what happens is, as you go down life's road, okay, as you go down life's road, and let's say they're going down life's road, Because of this fact, because the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth, and Jesus Christ live inside you, and you're born again, that means you're governed, you're guided, you're directed. You you are, your course is programmed by God through the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God gives you direction 
and guidance and tells you, you you need to go this way and you need to avoid that door or whatever. The Holy Spirit, which is the spirit of truth, is constantly feeding you and directing you and guiding you supernaturally because Christ lives inside you. So if you're looking at somebody's life, and they may be very spiritual, and on many levels it may appear that they're very Christian, but when you look at their life and you understand that they have never invited Christ into their lives, they, they don't have the Holy Spirit of God living in their lives, they have not been born again by the Spirit of God or Jesus Christ taking up residence in their lives, and therefore, just as if their brain, their body, and their minds were programmed to operate on autopilot, they are going to, minute after minute, hour after hour, day after day, as time goes on, they are going to veer off course, even if it's only by a small percentage, even if it's only initially by a microscopic percentage, they're going to very gently and very subtly veer off course because there's no counterforce, the Holy Spirit of God, the Spirit of Truth, there's no counterforce to reel them back in and make sure that when they finish up this life, they achieve the, the, the true end game that God has for them. And remember, a definition of the word sin comes from the word metanoia, which means missing the mark. The idea is if you're shooting arrows into a target or darts into a dartboard or whatever, you want to have the dart or the arrow land or fire into that very, very center circle in the very, very middle of whatever circular thing you're you're doing target practice on. And when you veer off even, you know, a little bit, you 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 have failed to hit the mark. That's called metanoia. You've missed the mark. Thus you've sinned. And anybody who sins can't enter the kingdom of heaven. That's why you have to have a savior who will perform for you and then all you have to do is put your faith in the the finished work of Jesus Christ, and he cleanses you of all sin. Your sin being cleansed is not on the basis of some program you worked yourself up into. So the key is that you move towards your destination point, the one that God has created for you. And what enables you to accurately hit your destination point is that you are passing through this world. You have a biblical understanding of that. But you're not relying on yourself. You're not relying on the fallen culture. You're not relying on other fallen men and women, along with their fallen ideas and and fallen belief systems. You're not relying on an entire and vast assortment of faulty um, belief systems and faulty uh, orientations and faulty programming, which will inevitably take you into a like personal encounter with a wall or or something, you know, that can bring about your total destruction. You are constantly relying by faith on the power of the Holy Spirit, who is Jesus, the third person of the Trinity. And that's the goal. That's how you which that's how you win the victory in the great the greatest battle for the hearts and minds of mankind in the history of the world. That's what my book Power from On High is about and my other books. We're in a very revved up spiritual battle known as the last days or end times battle. And basically, this is a battle between God and his truth, which is revealed in his word, and Satan or Lucifer and the fallen angels, and the lies that Lucifer and the fallen angels promote. And there's a fierce battle in multiple dimensions between God, God's angels, God's people, Satan, 
Satan's fallen angels, and those that follow Satan. The all-out battle for the control of planet Earth, and there's an all-out battle to capture souls, because the devil wants to capture as many people as possible to take with him to to the lake of fire, and God wants to save as many people as possible. So God wants to save souls and save people, and Satan wants to deceive souls and deceive people uh, through lies. And we, are who are the people of God, because we've accepted Christ into our lives by faith, we are, yes, passing through this world, but we're passing through this world knowing that we've been given a mission, an, assign, an assignment from God. And the, the first part of the, and the first basis of that assignment from God is that we don't veer off course. Now, as the spiritual battle escalates in your life and in the world, which according to the Bible, beginning in Genesis, the entire theme of the Bible prepares us for the fact, raises our awareness to the fact that we live in a world we're just passing through, and that this world, the energy, the force, the escalation, the intensity, and the nature of the spiritual warfare and the spiritual battle raging in this world, which you and I are involved in, the nature of, the, of that battle, according to the Word of God, is that that spiritual battle is constantly increasing in power, scope, velocity, consequences, and people being set free or being, people being made prisoner by lies. It's not, a, it's not a static spiritual battle. It's in flux. There's a great deal of movement in it. And, and that's why one of the reasons God gives us Bible prophecy. The purpose of all the prophetic signs in Genesis to Revelation is to alert us to the fact that we're getting closer and closer to a series of final events which will culminate in Christ returning to this earth along with the armies of heaven. He will defeat uh, all those that have accepted the mark of the beast. He will defeat the Antichrist and the false prophet when Jesus Christ and the armies of heaven descend upon the valley of Megiddo where this giant global spiritual war is raging, known as the War of Armageddon. And Christ, along with his followers, will be triumphant as Christ descends upon Israel in the last days, and then he conquers Satan and the satanic forces, he conquers Mystery Babylon, and then Christ rules and reigns planet Earth as its rightful Lord and King from uh, Jerusalem, along with uh, his co-regent, King David, in a fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant that the Jews would get the land of Israel, not based on performance, but based on uh, an everlasting covenant that God made between uh, Abraham and his physical descendants. God promised to give them the physical land of Israel in the last days. And so there will be a 1,000-year millennial reign that will be kind of like paradise on earth. Jesus will be ruling and reigning planet earth. The devil and his demons and all those that follow the devil and his demons will be locked up on a temporary basis. They'll be released again in the future for a short period of time, and then they will be permanently locked up in what I call God's supermax prison. That means it's a prison that's high, high spirituality and high, high technology. And God has to lock the ultimate rebels in this universe, like Satan. He has to crush that rebellion in order for heaven to be fully activated. 
And that's the purpose of end times prophecy, is to gear us up, to get us ready for that battle. So the only way that we can know whether or not we're being deceived is by, we have to know what the truth is. We can't know if we're being deceived, if we're being seduced with false prophets and false doctrine and lying spirits and stuff like that. We can't recognize that. We can't discern that unless we first know the truth of God's Word. And when we know the truth of God's Word, we have this truth, which is final reality, and we can use that to compare the truth with with this Luciferian illusion world that we're now living in. The Luciferian illusion world is a world in which Lucifer and man have joined together in rebellion from God, and that transhumanists, those human beings who believe that we can use science and technology to to create our own world in which we can be gods, and transhumanists who believe that we can use science and technology to confer upon ourselves the powers to be God. That's what we're facing in our world. And it's a, it's a ferocious spiritual, scientific, and technological battle. And in this battle, the level of our consciousness, the level of our cognitive abilities, the level of our intelligence, the level of our perception, the level of our understanding is constantly upgrading at an incredible rate of speed so that the thoughts that we're thinking, our ability to understand complexities and make them simplicities, is moving along at lightning speed. But you and I can only be effective to the degree that we make a choice with God to keep up and surpass the accelerated speed of knowledge increasing in the last days. And the only way we can do that is to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, clothed with power from on high, and to read and study and think about the Word of God and walk in a supernatural relationship with Jesus Christ. That is how we stay in a spiritual state of readiness and preparedness, which enables us to be more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Okay, I've got more to share with you. Visit paulmcguire.us. That's paulmcguire.us. Be sure to sign up for our eblast, our Roku channels, and our other social media. It's imperative that you do that. Visit paulmcguire.us now. We'll be back in just a moment. This is Paul McGuire, and uh, <clears throat> excuse me, drinking some water in the studio. Now the Bible says that knowledge is increasing, constantly increasing in the last days. Knowledge about all kinds of things. Science, technology, genetics, DNA, biology, engineering, uh, physics, uh, spiritual and supernatural things, all kinds of things. The primary reason that the number, according to respected pollsters, the primary reason that um, the New Age or Wicca or witchcraft or paganism has become the number one religion in America, surpassing Christianity, and the primary reason that uh, atheism, which is now tied uh, to humanism and the New Age and uh, the, the occult and witchcraft, that, that is all tied to uh, New Age witchcraft and paganism. Atheism is tied. And the primary reason for that is that the current style, the current modality by which people 
are winning converts to witchcraft, Luciferianism, the New Age, the occult, atheism, or whatever. The primary ways that people are being recruited or evangelized by people in these occult spiritual practices, it is based on teachings that that promise to to be applicable to your everyday life, to give you supernatural power to conquer your problems or heal you or or give you guidance. In other words, over and over again, the promoters of the New Age, of the occult, of witchcraft, of paganism, over and over again, and by the way, this merges simultaneously with secular humanism and transhumanism. They're all tied together, even though they appear to be opposites. So the primary hands-on, takeaway feeling that you get is, hey, man, you're going to be a god. That's the bottom line. That's why there's such a similarity and a hookup between uh, paganism, witchcraft, and atheism, and uh, transhumanism, because they all teach using different different uh, rationale. They all teach that you can be God, and they all teach that you can have superpowers, either through technology and engineering and science, or you can have superpowers by tapping into the supernatural world and casting spells, like binding spells and loosing spells, which is a principle taken right out of the Bible. So, this brings us to, to the present moment. And when you go back in time, and I explain this in detail, the whole history of it, in my books, Power from on High, The Greatest Battle, Conquering the Matrix, The Prophecy of the Future of America, Volume 1 and 2, The Day the Dollar Died, and many other books, I talk about how when you go back to Mystery Babylon, at the time of the Tower of Babel, there is an original unification between the occult, Satanism, the supernatural, uh, and ancient science, ancient technology, alchemical magic and magic. You see, when you go back to the ancient super civilizations, when you go back to the 1600s, and I talk about this in Power from on High in the Greatest Battle, when you go back to the 1600s with Sir Francis Bacon and Sir John Dee, the occult super advisors to the Queen of England, they were communicating to the Enochian, Enochian angels, written about in the Book of Enoch. And they were being guided as they channeled the, the, the guidance and wisdom of these fallen angels. And at the same time, Sir Francis Bacon was coronated the, the father of the scientific method. And, and Sir John Dee, who was heavily involved in the occult, as Sir Francis Bacon was, they were also worshipped as, as the world's most premier secular humanist, atheistic, Scientists, which again appears to be an oxymoron in terms of conflicting philosophies. But again, in the 1600s, in our current age with the Illuminati going back thousands of years, there was a unification in the minds of men where they didn't, there was no separation. And I give the quotes from people like uh, Arthur C. Clarke, the scientist and the uh, author of 2001 A Space Odyssey. And he essentially says there is no sufficient difference between science and magic, and that science and magic are the same. They're on one continuum. Now, now the average bozo teaching science in a university, or many of the scientists and many people in the media, they're, stu they're stuck in a sphere of consciousness that I will derogatorily call uh, the bozo the clown consciousness. And when you live and exist in the bozo the clown consciousness, 
you don't see how foolish your conclusions and how ridiculous your philosophy is and that you have become and have, are dressed like a clown, Bozo the Clown. And so you're stuck in Bozo the Clown consciousness because anybody who's rational or scientific would not normally be able to take you seriously. And so um, this integration between science and the occult, alchemical magic and magic, this goes back to the king of Babylon and, and the people that the prophet Daniel was interfacing with. This goes back to uh, the Pharaoh and Joseph and all the occult advisors that the Pharaoh had, and Joseph exceeded them all supernaturally. What you see from the biblical model, that should, and that's the model that needs to be applied now in our lifetime, because right now we're in the greatest battle for the hearts and minds of mankind. So we should be applying directly the biblical model that God has laid out on how we win the spiritual battle in our time. And when you read the biblical model, not the contemporary evangelical model, but the biblical model, when you read that, it's all over the place. I mean, and I go into detail about it in the Prophecy of the Future of America, Volume 1 and 2. I go into deep detail about it. Daniel excelled above all the hundreds, I think there was over 200 occult advisors, clairvoyants, occult prophets, astrologers, psychics, healers, who were all advising uh, the king of Babylon. And yet Daniel, a true prophet of God, rose up in their ranks. Hello, he rose up in their ranks. He wasn't scared of them, but he had a strong biblical worldview. Okay, so he rose up in their ranks, and he became then the only prophet that the king of Babylon would listen to. And then a similar thing happened with uh, Joseph in Egypt. None of the prophets and the occult advisors and the psychics and the interpreters of dreams and the, the interpreters of visions in Pharaoh's 200-plus army of occultic uh, advisors could interpret the dream he had of seven years of, of plenty followed by seven years of drought and famine. The only person that was supernaturally and prophetically equipped to interpret that vision and dream for Pharaoh was Joseph. And when the Pharaoh heard it, he jumped on it, he grabbed it, he applied it, and he made Joseph second in command over the entire Egyptian empire. Now, that is, those are truths that are put in the Bible by God that where God is taking powerful truths that we need, I need, you need today, to succeed, to overcome, to be victorious, to fulfill our destiny no matter what happens. All of these powerful truths and biblical knowledge that we need, God has embedded in his word, and if we'll go to his word on a regular basis, God will continue to download it, download in us in a fresh manner powerful anointed truths that will enable us to surpass those. You see, a real Christian is no is not even remotely intimidated or insecure in the presence of occultists and witches and pagans and, and people summoning supernatural things and channeling and you know the new age, the occult. The, a true Christian is not even remotely unsettled by that, because you see, when you know that you have a supernatural power and wisdom that is so far greater than anything they could remotely imagine, 
you have the dunamis dynamite power of God that detonates in the invisible realm. You have, you have been clothed by God Almighty with power from on high. You aren't chicken little. You're more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Your very being, wherever you walk, wherever you are, whatever you interface with, the spirit of the living God inside you, because you are in your biological being, in your physical body, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is Jesus, the Word of God, the Word of Truth. And the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Truth. And the Holy Spirit is where the center of power is that dwells inside you, because God himself, Jesus Christ, dwells inside you. And wherever you walk, you are literally radiating and emanating the specific electromagnetic frequencies of the biblical, infinite, personal, living God of the universe. So everywhere you walk, everywhere you talk, everywhere you write, everywhere you minister, there is an electrical field, an electromagnetic field that you're generating that's like a force field. And it's not a force field of impotence. It is a force field of power. And you throw it out from your inner man or inner woman. And there's like a force field all around you. If you're walking in the dunamis dynamite power of God, if you're walking in the power of Jesus Christ, if you're clothed with power from on high, you're generating this electromagnetic frequency force field that has specific numerical value that that is identifiable and attributed only and exclusively to you. You understand? You understand how powerful and loving and wise God made you? So you've got to activate it. It doesn't any good to have it hidden in the closet someplace or hidden up in the attic. It doesn't work there. I mean, it does work there, but it's not going to do anything. So if, you, if we want to collectively see a biblical revival in America, a biblical third great awakening, a mighty outpouring of the Spirit based on biblical teaching, and if we want to see the tide of the spiritual battle turned in America, and the demonic powers driven back by a force that is so vastly superior to their force, all we have to do, listen to me, is come in a lot proper alignment with Jesus Christ. All we have to do is sync up with Jesus Christ, walk in fellowship with Jesus Christ, receive by faith power from on high, the dunamis dynamite power of God, receive by faith the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the wisdom of God, and then walk in it supernaturally. And the moment, the moment we make that decision in our minds and hearts, the moment we make that decision, we we throw a switch in the invisible realm, which activates the power of the dunamis, the dynamite power of God, the life force, the power of the Holy Spirit, to begin instantaneously. It begins with a an invisible explosion going off in your inner man or inner woman, but it's an explosion. It's the dunamis dynamite power of God. It's an explosion that detonates itself in the invisible realm or spiritual world. So when it detonates, it doesn't harm you, and it doesn't necessarily harm other people in the physical world reality. It's a detonation of the force of God and the power of God. But remember, the God we're talking about is the God of love. So it's a detonation of the force of the love of God to save man, to set man free in the last days. And you are an integral part of that entire victory to the degree you walk in God. And when you learn that you can call on God, like right now, like right now you can call on God and change your reality and change you and change your world and change others by simply 
responding to the fact that God is calling you to walk with you in an intimate relationship. And by intimate relationship, please do not misconstrue what I'm saying as some kind of feminine relationship. We, we've confused in our ridiculous and absurd soap opera culture, we, we've confused the term intimate with purely meaning sexual intimacy or the feminine. That's not what the Bible's talking about. Intimate means a very, very close relationship. It doesn't have to be sexual or romantic or feminine. An intimate relationship with God is, is a close relationship with God that's totally pure because God is totally holy. So to the degree we come into the presence of God by faith, the blood of Jesus Christ, and we come boldly to the throne of grace, the moment we do that in our prayer life on a regular basis, we detonate the supernatural power of God, the dunamis dynamite power of God, and we throw off a force that is, there's nothing stronger than this force in the entire universe. When you read the writings, as I have when I was writing my new book, Power from on High, you read the, the writings, the historical writings of the father of the first Great Awakening, Jonathan Edwards, and, and the father of the second Great Awakening, Charles Finney, and, and other authentic and biblical and, and biblically respected spiritual fathers of the Great Awakening. When, when, Charles, uh, when, when Jonathan Edwards would preach, people would shake. I'm not here promoting emotionalism, but that's what happened. I'm not going to censor the truthfulness of the historical account of what really happened in the Great Awakening number one and Great Awakening number two to placate somebody's uh, lack of depth in rightly dividing the Word of God. Nor am I promoting a non-biblical emotionalism or a non-biblical hysteria. You understand what I'm saying? I'm walking down the middle with sound doctrine. I'm not veering off to the left or right. So the spiritual atmosphere over entire towns and regions where Jonathan Edwards would preach, and he, his theology was airtight, and because he came out of the Pilgrim and Puritan thing. And uh, Jonathan Edwards, you could feel a change. That force that I'm talking about, the force of the power of the Holy Spirit would come out of him. And people would be delivered and saved and sobbing as the power, the dunamis dynamite power of God would explode from his inner man. And it would be, it would, it would be then that he would preach. And when he preached, by the way, he wasn't emotional. He wasn't hollering or screaming. He preached in a very uh, calm, rational manner. But he held nothing back regarding the truth of heaven and the truth of hell. And then Charles Finney, he was more emotional, um, but his theology was sound. He was the father of the Second Great Awakening. And a similar thing happened to Charles Finney. Wherever he would preach, or if he would go into a gigantic factory that happened to be owned by a Christian or whatever, people miles before he came into the center of a town or the center of a factory, uh, when Charles Finney was in the area, people could, again, feel that change in the spiritual atmosphere. They could feel something change in the spiritual atmosphere. And what they could feel in the change of the spiritual atmosphere was the forces of darkness, the forces of devils leaving a particular area, and the area being conquered and under the dominion of the glory of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. He would walk 
And by the way, he wrote the first and original book, Power from on High. I'm writing Power from on High is a, is a, is a sequel for our contemporary world. But the idea comes from the Bible. And, and the person who popularized the idea, especially when I was a brand new Christian, barely born again, somehow, some way, somebody got, put a copy of an old paper-bound edition. This thing was printed a million years ago. And there was a, on the picture, it was a simple artwork. It was a heart being shattered into pieces as it was hit with a muscular arm and hand holding a hammer and smashing the hammer on the hardness of the human heart. And then you see the heart shattered. Well, well, that was a, and he was trying to communicate that power from on high doesn't come from a hardened heart, but one that is broken before God. And so the name of that book was Power from on High. And that book had a, a very deep impact on me as a young Christian. And obviously, I never forgot the title. That's why I call my book Power from on High. So we're because we've come to the place in America and around the world that we are going to go down hard and we're going to be defeated hard. We're going to be carried off to camps and worse. I'm not exaggerating one iota. That is what is going to happen if you know history. And I explain it. I know you don't, some of you don't want to hear it, but I'm going to tell you the truth whether you want to hear it or not. It's in my books. But I don't leave you in a state of hopelessness in any of my books. Because just because that dynamic is, is revving up, that doesn't mean that God's people don't have the availability by God Almighty, where God will open up the doors in the invisible realm, clothe us with power from on high, and give us the supernatural power to defeat our enemies in the invisible realm. And when we defeat our enemies in the invisible realm, the enemy's plans for our stay in camps concentration camps, or the enemy's plan to annihilate us, or the enemy's plan to to destroy us, it all dissolves, it all disintegrates as, as it is exposed to the force of Almighty God, known as the dunamis dynamite power of God, otherwise known as power from on high. So when Charles Finney walked into an, even a geographic area, the entire atmosphere over them was transformed. And so Finney walks into this large factory owned by a Christian businessman on the East Coast. And even before he gets into the factory, all he's standing inside one of the giant rooms of a factory. And the factory workers, men and women, are standing, you know, considerable distance away from him. But they can see his eyes. And even before Charles Finney begins to preach, they begin to shake and, and tremble and sob. Some begin to convulse. Tears are pouring out of their eyes. Some are falling to their knees and crying out to God for salvation. Others are crying out to God, repenting for their sins and asking Jesus Christ to forgive them of their sins and asking Jesus Christ to give them power from on high. There was just the mere fact that Charles Finney, father of the Second Great Awakening, walked into a room, changed the spiritual dynamic of the room, of, of, of a state. and. In both the First Great Awakening and the Second Great Awakening, the fact that power from on high was filling the hearts of millions of, or not millions, but hundreds and hundreds of thousands of Christians at that time, it changed the spiritual atmosphere of America. And so, right now, at this moment, I want you to think of something that's going to, at first, seem like a contradiction, an oxymoron, and it, it, it may. It, it, 
it has the capacity of confusing you if you don't heed the heads up I'm giving you right now. So he, he, heed the heads up right now, and I'm going to share a, a quick truth with you, okay? It will change your life and the life of America and the life of the Christian church and the lives of your children and grandchildren if you obey and put into action the truth I'm going to share with you now. And that was the entire reason, the entire motivation, I wrote my new book, Power From On High, which explains all of this and ramps you up to a launch time in the power of God. Got it? Okay. This is what I'm sharing with you. As you know, you can read my bio and stuff you've never heard before in Power From On High. The physicist Robert Oppenheimer, I read his biographies. I knew all about his life in second, third, fourth grade. Rented books about him from the public library. Robert Oppenheimer came from one of the wealthiest elite, globalist elite families in the world, the Oppenheimer family. Robert Oppenheimer was the father of the atomic bomb, and he was the head of a secret military project which was a rush, a race to build an atomic bomb before the Nazis or any of America's enemies. And so Oppenheimer did just that. As they, they compartmentalized the scientific and engineering responsibilities of building the world's first atomic bomb, they tested it out in the Alamogordo, New Mexican desert, and you see this massive H-bomb explosion of, of It looks like the, the bellows of hell. It looks like hell itself is belching into the atmosphere, burning, firing, incendiary, smoke, ashes. And at, in that time period, nobody ever living, past or present, had ever seen such a release of atomic force displayed clearly in our skies. That had never happened before. The atomic bomb went off, and then America eventually used it later on. I don't want to get into the ethics of, of the usage of the atomic bomb, nor am I advocating science and technology to pursue uh, destruction. And by the way, you'll see, as I talk about and explain to you in my book, Power from One High, that, the, that the, uh, Robert Oppenheimer, the physicist and father of the atomic bomb, had a big statue of Shiva, the, the, the goddess Shiva, dancing. Uh, Placed the giant statue of the goddess Shiva dancing, the destroyer of worlds is, is the name of Shiva. And uh, so, so they're out there in the desert, but closer to where the scientists were. Why would they put up the a, a, a giant statue of Shiva, the destroyer of worlds? Because he was hooked up into an occult mysticism. Now, that same statue, a large statue of Shiva, the destroyer of worlds, is at the CERN. Hadron Collider facility in Switzerland. And that same statue of Shiva, the goddess of destruction or the destroyer of worlds, there's a giant statue of the goddess Shiva, the destroyer of worlds, in the executive room on a giant table for all the top dogs of the World Health Organization, WHO, meet regularly. Now, I'm going to throw something out to you, and you're going to decode it. Since the statue is normally displayed, you know, Shiva, the goddess of destruction, the destroyer of worlds, normally that statue is displayed at the test site of the atomic bomb, or it's displayed at the potentially mega global 
destroyer of worlds known as uh, the Hadron Collider in Switzerland. So why would the goddess of Shiva, the destroyer of worlds, be near, be in the same realm as CERN or the atomic bomb test? Okay, here's the clue. You answer it. The World Health Organization, the Huxleys were very much behind the World Health Organization. I write about this in my book, Power from on High. Here's the question I'm asking you. Why would the top elite of the world who run the World Health Organization, WHO, why would WHO, the United Nations and the World Health Organization, place a giant statue of the goddess of Shiva, the destroyer of worlds, on their beautiful giant executive room table that they meet at? What is Shiva symbolizing that relates to the WHO? In every other example that I gave you, the goddess Shiva statue was placed near technology of massive global destruction. But now we have a statue of the goddess Shiva, and and the question is, since it's normally placed, the goddess of Shiva, the destroyer of worlds statue, is normally placed near sites of enormous and practically infinite uh, sites of uh, destruction and annihilation and death. Why in the World Health Organization office? And here's the clue, and here's the question. Are they destroying something? Is there a technology that they're pioneering and developing that would fit into the category of the goddess Shiva, the destroyer of worlds? And so in, in, in usually when, when non-believers erect giant statues of Hindu gods and goddesses or pagan gods and goddesses, it's because secretly in their hearts they are worshiping their, these occult gods and goddesses. And remember, all these gods and goddesses ultimately go back to uh, the Tower of Babylon before that, and they demanded these these false gods demanded that people sacrifice human life before them and sacrifice their babies before them. So, so, so human sacrifice is a key part of the worship of these ancient gods and goddesses. Are you tracking with me? I'm asking you a question and I'm revealing a clue. Say it again. I'm asking you a question and I'm revealing a clue. One can understand logically why the giant goddess of Shiva statue is, is on display at CERN and at the site of the testing of the atomic bomb via Robert Oppenheimer. But why at the WHO headquarters? They're, they're supposed to be, they claim to be the champion of global health. Global health. It's, that's why it's called the World Health Organization. It's not called the World Sickness Organization. So what are we missing, or are we missing anything? What are we missing, or are we missing anything? Is it another case of, uh, is it another case of what the occult practitioners love to do? Is they love to leave their clues out in plain sight, like the Kubrick movie, which I don't advise that you see. Don't advise that you see. Uh, eyes wide shut. Eyes wide shut. They leave their clues out openly in plain sight. 
Yes, there's destruction there. There is technological, scientific destruction being engineered on a level that will have a death count that quantumly exceeds the death counts so far of nuclear weapons and, and cracking open atoms and things of that nature. So you already know the answer to the question that I've given you. Now, if you want to know in depth about it, and you say, well, that's a cheesy way to sell a book. Hey, look, I have to sell books. That's how I spread knowledge, and that's how we generate the income we need for this ministry. Get yourself a copy of Power From On. Hi, it's been discounted. And remember, I'm, I'm bringing you truths that are relevant to where we are today. Now, here is the overarching truth among everything I've shared with you on the Paul McGuire Report today. The overarching truth is that, that we should not be intimidated or fearful about the scientists, the, the engineers, the CERN project, uh, the, the statues of uh, Shiva, uh, the destroyer of worlds, the atomic bomb tests, all this futuristic technology. We should not be intimidated or scared or frightened by the Luciferians' willingness to, to display their destructive tech in front of our eyes. We need to meditate on, read the Word of God, hear and meditate on the words of Jesus Christ when he tells us about this fact. And the fact that I'm going to share with you is directly from Jesus and the Word of God. And this fact, it supersedes, it overwhelms. The, the facts of the existence of the goddess Shiva, the destroyer of worlds. And here's the facts that overrule the other facts. We have, if we are willing to receive it by faith and wait upon God, we have the dunamis, dynamite power of God, known as power from on high. It is more powerful than anything ever created in the universe since the creation of the world. But it is a power that emanates from the agape love of Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ himself, who is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. So we have at our access an overwhelmingly superior power, known as the dunamis, the dynamite power from on high, and we can be clothed with that power from on high. It is not only the evil, the Satanists, the Luciferians, etc., etc., who, who merge occult supernaturalism with um, uh, science and technology. The devil's not the only one who creates technology. The problem is we have Christians who don't read the Bible, and because they don't read the Bible, they've allowed their eyes to be blinded by the full spectrum of truth in God's Word. Because God, hello, God is the inventor of all kinds of technology and sciences. So God has tech. God has a vast array of futuristic technology available for his children's usage any time they choose by faith to acquire it. God Almighty has all kinds of technology, all kinds of science, all kinds of engineering. How do you think King Solomon built the temple and his, his palace? How do you think uh, King David had the, uh, the military expertise to defeat his enemies? Why and how do you think that the orbital paths of the planets and the sun are, are in perfect uh, coordination. Why do you think that God invented the genetic code and DNA before it was even a, a, a dream in somebody's head? Why do you think that it talks about in the Old Testament thousands of years ago when the, the, the assistant to the prophet Elijah was freaking out 
He was freaking out because he saw the mighty Syrian army coming at them to destroy them. And he, and, and, and he, was, he was having a meltdown. And uh, Elijah, the prophet, the true prophet, basically told him to shut up and listen. And Elijah, the true prophet, said, Behold, ask the Lord to open his eyes supernaturally. So God supernaturally opened up the eyes of Elijah, the prophet's assistant, Elisha. And then Elisha, suddenly, suddenly, he could see into the invisible realm or world clearly. And he shouts out, Behold, the hills are filled with chariots of fire, and those that be with uh, us are more than be with them. So he was talking about God's angelic armies riding technology that appeared to look like chariots of fire because they they were all lit up and glowed. So if you think that's referring to some wooden uh, with some a little bit of metal nailed together, you know, kind of like you'd make a chair or something, a wooden chair, you better, you know, get your brains rebooted. The only reason he said, behold, the hills are filled with chariots of fire is because the sight, the visual sight and the high tech nature and the high scientific nature of the chariots of fire and the fact that they glowed and emanated supernatural light, reflecting they were powered by supernatural energy, and the people that were riding the chariots of fire were the angelic armies. This was a, 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 a look at something that man had never seen before, the technology of God and the armies of uh, the angelic armies of God. Totally, they, 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 were, they, they crushed the Syrian army. Did you hear me? They crushed the Syrian army. And the armies that are coming against God's people now, all over the world and in the United States, and they're coming against us through a variety of mechanisms. I pray in Jesus' name, and you need to join me in prayer. We pray in Jesus' name that you would open the eyes of your people, like, like God opened the eyes of uh, Elijah's servant, and so that your people, just like Elijah's servant, can supernaturally have their eyes opened, and then they will also say, We'll hear it said in America, "Behold, the hills are filled with chariots of fire," and you, it'll come to the surface of our na- the, the surface of our national conversation. There will be talks and rumors and, and discussions of, God, of of things you never heard of before. Remember, you heard it first on the Paul McGuire report. Things, discussions about the technology of God, the the invasion of the angelic armies, the fact that the angelic armies were driving the chariots of fire all proving that God has technology, including military technology, to save and rescue his people, to save souls in the last days. So you got to get your head stuck out of this antique store uh, uh, type of mentality. The Bible is not an antique. You got it? So some Christians, a lot of Christians, have developed, they didn't get it from the Bible. I don't know where they got it from. They have developed and acquired what I would call an antique store consciousness or an antique store mentality that keeps them stuck in the past. And as long as they're stuck in the past, they can't be more than conquerors in the present using the technology of God and the supernatural power of God. That's why I wrote my book, Power From On High. We need to listen to what I'm saying. I'm talking to you straight from the heart. We need to quit putzing. You know what I'm saying? We need to quit putzing. And we need 
to light it up. Do you know what I'm talking about? You could probably hear a little street vernacular bubbling up there. That's because I grew up in New York City. I'm telling you, as Christians, we need to quit being so boring, so predictable, so mundane. That's not children of God. That's children of stupidity. And God is not stupid. We need to anoint it under the power of God. We need to light it up. Light what up? Light up the world with the light of Jesus Christ. Light up our families with the light of Jesus Christ. Light up the political realm. Every realm there is. Light it up with the dunamis, dynamite power of God, the Holy Spirit. Light it up until the fires of God burn in their purity, their holiness, and their love, and revival, and a great awakening sweeps our nation. Even if that only occurs among 1%, 4%, or 20% of the people, it's still a game or a warfare in which we can declare victory. Visit paulmcguire.us. That's paulmcguire.us. Grab yourself copies of the books. They're at a discount for you. Be sure, absolutely, promise me, if you listen to this on a regular basis, sign up uh, to our e-blast list, sign up to our social media page. It's imperative that you do that. We sacredly do not give that out. And But that's our lifeline to communicate to you. So sign up to the Roku channel, sign up to the eblast list, sign up to the social media platforms, and join us in prayer, join us in giving, and join us with your, your volunteering to step out and be a prayer warrior until we see the kinds of things I talked about come to pass. God bless you. This is Paul McGuire. Visit paulmcguire.us. Mm-hmm.